0: I want to talk to you about thanks uh, being thankful this morning. I think it's important for us to remember that we live in a culture in, in our society today where it's not really common for, for people to hear words of being thankful. You, you, if you stop somebody at the store and you say, "I'm just so thankful that you didn't push your cart into me," you know?" or, "I'm so thankful that you're getting those good, healthy products in your cart. Or whatever, but you know, you don't hear being thankful very often. You don't think about it, you don't hear it too much. I remember the story I read years ago. Have you ever heard the story of Ed Spencer who jumped into the icy waters of Lake Michigan to save 17 people when the ship Lady Elgin sank? And when he brought the 17th person to safety, he collapsed on the shore. And then when he brought that 17th person there, he fell over, and throughout the night he would lay in the infirmary, and he kept saying to the men around him, he said, Have I done my best, fellows? Did I do what was best? One of the men on the ship, named Edward Edward Young, was inspired by the story, and he wrote the words, Have I done my best for Jesus? Many of you have heard the hymn. I want to read just the first stanza. It says, I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus? who died upon the cruel tree, to think of his great sacrifice at Calvary. I know my Lord expects the best from me. How many are the lost that I have lifted? How many are the chained I've helped to free? I wonder, have I done my best for Jesus when he has done so much for me? As Paul Harvey would say, now you know the rest of the story. Ed Spencer gradually recovered from the exposure that night to hypothermia to pneumonia. But it finally broke his health completely, from which he never completely recovered. He moved to California, where he spent the rest of his life in seclusion. Didn't want to talk to people, was hidden from society, from the culture. He died at the age of 81. A paper told the story that he stated that not one of those 17 people thanked him for what he had done. And it hurt him deeply. I think about how many people have been given so many blessings from our God. As we look at the month of November, I think we are past the missions just for a little while and entering into the Thanksgiving season. I think we ought to make Thanksgiving this year one of the best ones we've ever had. I think we need to go out of the way to be able to be a blessing to somebody else. If we find somebody who doesn't have, maybe it would be good to give them something special this year. If you know of people that are hurting, please let me know. There's been some gifts given to our church that we can help people this year. But I think to be able to get people around the table and be grateful would be a wonderful thing this year and maybe take the time of of asking people what are you thankful for? And every single person in your family say something at least and not have to twist their arm, but I'm sure that if they think a little bit that they could come up with something to be thankful for. I think we all can. And ultimately, every good gift comes from God. We understand that. And so we have to go back to him. That's what the whole Thanksgiving was about, to thank our creator, to thank our God of provision. Our sovereign God has taken care of us. Every single fall, there is a harvest. And it's interesting as we think about these things. Someone has said that an ungrateful man is like a hog under a tree eating acorns, but never takes time to look up to see where they've come from. I think that's kind of like us sometimes. We don't realize that everything has come from above. Another has said that if you want to find gratitude these days, you've got to look in the dictionary. I think it's pretty pretty certain that there is a need. In fact, the Bible tells us that we ought to be thankful. Many times it's mentioned in the Scriptures, each day of our life we are recipients of God's blessings. And the Bible says in Psalm 68, verse number 19, Blessed be the Lord who daily loads us, with benefits. What a beautiful, beautiful thought. I will date some of you just for a little bit. Everybody, anybody in this room remember bureau cream? Huh? Back in the day, we had it. I remember I was about six years old, five or six years old, and my dad would take a little squirt of bureau cream and put it on his hand, and he'd rub it together, and then you would put it on our heads. And it, and it always said on the side, it said, a little dab is just enough," you know? And uh, I remember him getting my brother, and I thought, "Man, you're next, Dale." And he would take a little squirt in his hand, he'd rub it together in his hand, and it was that and Beryl cream. Remember that? Uh, not Beryl cream, but uh, what was that? Menthol red stuff that you put on a sore? Beryl yeah, Beryl cream. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you sounds like you're all speaking in tongues or something. I. <laughs> <laughs> But I think a little dab will do you some good, and I think really we think about the Lord as he loads us with benefits, not just a little dab. Many of you have, your cupboards are full. Many of your refrigerators are full. Your car actually has gas in it today, and you know God's blessed you. You look outside over the fields, you look over at your neighbors, and you look at what they have, and look what you got. God has taken care of you, dear friend, and every believer ought to be thankful However, we receive and receive and we take and we take and we offer nothing and thanks in return a lot of times. And how ungrateful we are for all God has done and, and is doing for us. 2 Corinthians 4.15 says that the abundant grace of God might, through the thanksgiving of many, redound to the glory of God. Every time we say, thank you, God, that gives him glory Each of us has has experienced an unlimited measure of God's grace, and we ought to be thankful for it because I really believe it brings Him that glory and how tragic, sinful it is that many times we don't look up toward God and say thank you to Him. The story this morning that I chose, many of you have read the story before. I remember a great preacher years ago wrote a message called, Where are the Nine?, And we know the story because the story is true about these men who had leprosy. And these lepers really were outcasts of society. But the first point I want to make here was thankfulness deserved because it was deserved. Look at verses 11 and 12. It came to pass as he went into Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And, and and as he entered into the village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And this would be a glorious day for these ten lepers. Jesus was passing by, and whenever Jesus passes by, the great glorious things happen. Maybe you know when he passed by you. I can remember hearing the story of Jesus really clearly for the first time in 1968. I was seven years old, and I understood it enough to where I, even a simpleton like me could understand that I could receive Christ as my Savior. I could have my sins washed away. And he passed by me in 1968, and since then, about every five years, he seems to pass by. And I get to see a little glimpse of him, and I understand that he's there, and he's comforting me, and he quickens me, and he draws me to himself. But it's interesting as we think about this, because here in this particular story, Uh, on this day, Jesus was passing through the village. He entered to a certain village that he met these 10 leprous men. And notice these 10 lepers for a moment. So first of all, let's look at their condition. These 10 men were lepers. The Bible says that. Leprosy was and is terrible. It's a tragic disease. If you were to sit down and talk to some of the older people, older Christians in our in our congregation, they would tell you about leprosy because it was mentioned from the pulpit, I think, a little bit more than it's mentioned now, uh, today. The law was specific and gave certain regulations concerning the leper. Luke says these ten lepers stood afar off. This was according to the law, which required the leper remain a distance uh, from others. And one writer said that when standing downwind, they would stand at least 50 yards away From the leper, they were required to cover their mouths with a cloth and cry unclean to warn others that they were lepers. It's just interesting when we think about this story because it just seems like our culture today would like to shut the Christians down. Put something over your face. You know, it's kind of odd for me to go to the bank on Monday mornings and to walk in with a mask on. I watched the old westerns, and those that wore masks weren't. (laughs) Kindly received in the bank. This doesn't make sense to me. Amen. In fact, I pull mine down because they see I'm smiling, I'm happy, I'm not trying to rob you or anything. I'm not paranoid or anything, but I just I want to live a little longer. They make us wear these masks. And I'm not trying to to belittle you if you do, because you're trying to be healthy. And, but it's interesting because it just seems like Thanksgiving is shutting down for some people. It's amazing that the mask mandate closes at the end of Thanksgiving. Why not before? Why, why couldn't we take the masks off the Friday, before? Let's, let's say maybe the Wednesday before Thanksgiving? Think about it, friends. There is a plan here to try to shut down America. But you can't. There's too many patriots. We're going to speak up. We're going to tell you what's the, what the truth is. And the truth is that we need to give God Thanks, because he has blessed us here in this wonderful land. And he will continue. But I think about these men standing afar off and looked at as unclean. Maybe you walk in and shake someone's hand and they say, you know, have you been vaccinated yet or whatever? And they walk away from you and they shake their heads. And maybe they, I had it recently where a guy ran from me almost, about 10 10 to 12 feet away. And then he says, oh, you're Dean Howell. I says, yeah, I am. I don't know what your problem is. And I got in the elevator and went and saw the people that I wanted to go see. But it was interesting because he treated me like I was a leper. I'm not looking for pity. I'm just looking to show you how silly that man is. He'll never get COVID. And if he does, he'll probably get through it. Anyway, leprosy. Leprosy in the Bible really is a type of sin, and it represents, if you would, sin several ways, and I want to give you those ways. One of the ways is that that leprosy corrupts and defiles. Leprosy would begin as a small white spot that would spread throughout the, over the body with a corrupting and defiling effect, and sin does that. Sin may start out just a little bit, and then it gets worse and worse. You say yes to a little bit of sin, and then pretty soon it gets worse. You say a little bit more, a little bit more. You find out somebody that actually is in a recovery program where they struggle with things now and vices that they've had problems with for their whole life. I think about maybe perhaps the person that's a heroin addict would start out with just a little bit of, little bit of marijuana. Oh, it's just a little pot. No big deal. Oh, it's just a little bit of alcohol. It's not going to hurt anything. And pretty soon the mind is desensitized and pretty soon there's a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. And then they're struggling. They habitually are struggling. You see, leprosy is kind of like sin. And it begins small, perhaps, but it can actually grow. I think also that leprosy is a type of, uh, of, of, of sin, uh, in, in a way it's like sin, because it deforms. Leprosy will spread, it'll eat away at the flesh, it eats away at the nose and the lips, part of the body, leaving one um, hideously disfigured person. Sin can take one person who used to be upright and strong and true and make them weak, make them dependent upon things that will hurt them. I never thought that they would do that such a thing. Or you see somebody that's gone the wrong direction, you say, I can't believe that they went that direction. And we, our hearts hurt over them. I think about someone that actually recently got out of prison, perhaps, and started out with just a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Never understood, really, the effects of it all. Sin is a horrible thing, and so is leprosy. These men had leprosy. They were far off. They saw Jesus passing by. But Leprosy also is a type of sin, and it also isolates people. As I mentioned, these ten lepers stood afar off, and it was required by the law. Their leprosy cut them off from society. Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from the ones we love. Sometimes it gets so bad that sometimes the parents will call me and say, I don't even know what to do with my son anymore. I don't even even know what to do with my daughter anymore. I remember a man called the church here years ago and said, well, how much does it cost to send her down to Rockford in Illinois? How how much would it cost? And I said, I'm not sure. For the whole time, I said, I believe you would have to pay $1,000, and then it's $1,000 a month. Uh, to keep them there, I'll give them some help. And I think maybe there's a, a program for, for a year, or maybe 18 months. And you said 18,000, well, I, give it to you. I can give it to them down there or I can give it to the, to the funeral home. Because that's really the way they're going to go, that direction. You know, sin is a horrible thing. You young people, listen, your, your parents aren't trying to keep you from something. Your parents love you. Listen to your parents and honor your parents and obey God and obey your parents because they're trying to keep you from going off in the wrong direction. They love you and God loves you. He hates sin. And I know that it's in us. We know what is right and we know what isn't. For the little, for the little believer in Christ, you know what's wrong and what's right. And for you that have matured in Christ, you know what's wrong and what's right. We've got to be really active in giving our hearts to the Lord and make sure that we stay tender concerning what is sin. And we don't have to be looking at the external. It's on the inside that I'm concerned about. What is going on within the heart? Because really it's the heart that, where it all begins. We've got to guard the heart. Out of it comes all the issues of life. Leprosy is a type because it isolates, but also it's a type of sin because there is no human cure for it. Leprosy is largely controlled and contained in our day and time, but there still is no human cure. There is no human cure for sin either. Reformation and changing a man's environment will not stop them from sinning. It must be the understanding of the blood of Jesus Christ. There must be an understanding of what took place on Calvary. There must be an understanding that God can forgive you, and he will forgive you. There is no human cure for sin. You can't just do right the rest of your life and think you're going to go to heaven. You must be born again. You must turn from your sin and turn to Christ. Leprosy also is a type of sin that it ends up in death. And to catch leprosy really was so contagious then, and it was really a death sentence. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Nobody gets out of this alive we all die. I had the opportunity of doing a funeral, and I was honored to do his funeral um, Friday. I had an opportunity to meet the family just for a little bit. My, my, my family knows the family. I didn't meet them until recently I heard of them. But I thought about the message, and I thought about giving them the gospel, and I, I appreciate all you that prayed for me on Friday because I just sensed God's spirit there working in the hearts of the people. It is a good opportunity at a funeral to tell people the truth, and it brings us back to reality and helps us to understand that we, we have three score and ten. Anything over that is really God's blessing. God's, God gives us gives some longer life than that. I know my grandmas, both of them, I think, were 94 when they passed away. Grandma McCluskey, remember her? And then Grandma Lova. Uh, sat, both of them were part of our ministry here at our church through the years. And what a blessing. And now they're both with the Lord, both wearing hats up there in heaven and enjoying themselves. But it's interesting as we think about this because it keeps us from going in the wrong direction when we understand the consequence to sin. Leprosy, as you can see, is a terrible and tragic disease. But I think it's interesting because we're looking at this particular situation. Look at verse number 13. It says in verse number 12, and as they entered into the vil- certain village, they met him, ten of the, uh, which were lepers, which stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. What did they ask for? They asked for compassion. The word mercy in the New Testament is the same word for compassion. I think it's interesting that when we think about God's mercy and his compassion, he does, he does like to show it. They were crying out to him, verse number 13, lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy upon us. They apparently had heard of Jesus and received reports that he had done this to others, and they began to cry out for mercy. Look at verse 14. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves to the priest. And it will come to pass, as they went, they were cleansed. And in accordance to the law, of course, Jesus sent them to the priest to be declared clean. Clean. Leviticus chapter 14, we read of the specific steps that were taken. They were to go to the priest and then they were to take two birds and and one would be killed in an earthen vessel under running water and the other would be dipped into the water and blood of the bird uh, that was slain. And then, of course, it says uh, that, that they, they, were, they were then sacrificed, and the priest then would sprinkle the leper with the, the bird, uh, with the blood of the bird and the water, and then they would allow the other bird to be able to go into the sky. Pretty interesting that these ten lepers were on their way to see the priest when they were cleansed. Can you imagine what it must have been like when they suddenly noticed that their skin was now like baby skin? Can you imagine what that was like when they were completely healed? I know what it's like to be sick. I know what it's like to be going through difficult times. And then when, when God heals you, you look and you say, man, I'm so, I'm so thankful that God made me well again. Uh, I think about a story I heard years ago. It was in 1934 that a young Prince Edward, Edward the heir of the British throne, visited a hospital where 36 hopelessly injured and disfigured veterans of the First World War were were being tended to. He stopped at each cot. He shook their hands of each veteran, and they thanked them for their service and sacrifice, and then when he conducted, he, he conducted uh, was heading out to exit, he observed then that he had only seen 29 patients. He asked about the other seven, and he was told that they were shockingly disfigured And for the sake of his own feelings, that he had not been taken to these men. He insisted that he would see all of them. And so he was taken. He spoke with each man and assured them that their service and sacrifice will never be forgotten. He looked at the head nurse and said, there's only six men here. Where's the seventh? And she said, well, there's one left and he's been now blind and maimed. He's dismembered. It's the most hideous, disfigured person I've ever seen. He's being isolated to a room where he probably will not be able to live long. The nurse said, please don't ask me to go see him. The prince said, however, yes, I must go see him. He entered in and he froze. He stood there for a while, white-faced, lips quivering, He looked down to once who was a fine young man, but now was a horror to look at. The prince then broke down with tears, and then lovingly he bent over and kissed him on the cheek and said, thank you for your service. I think about how that so many people have been given to, but we seldom are thankful. We seldom sense that spirit of being thankful, There was a day when jesus stooped down and picked you up held you in his arms maybe it was all alone someplace in a hotel maybe it was at home with your mom or your dad but someplace at some time you sensed your need for jesus and he came and he picked you up and held you and you understood what it was like to be forgiven for the first time i remember hearing a story about a farmer who lived up here in oshkosh and Many of you heard the story before, but I'm going to tell it again. He milked cows with his dad, and his duties were to feed uh, the calves. You actually uh, had them all numbered, and so you would get the the milk in the in the bottles, and then you would take a little stick and you tap them on the head if it wasn't their turn, and you feed all the calves every morning. And he said, "Dad, before I feed the calves, can I do something?" I uh, I just bought the 22 down at the store, and I want to go shoot a fox. His dad said, okay, you can go down along the, along the fence line, and you can go ahead and, and with, with this light, I want you to come back and feed the calves. And so this fellow went down along the fence line, and he found a nice little place against the post, and he leaned up against it. It was just getting light, and over the hill he saw, and kind of in the, in the fog, he saw a beautiful fox run over the hill. He said, Man, I got to get a little closer. And so the next day, he asked the dad the same thing. He said, Dad, I saw a fox go over the hill, so I would like it if, you, if I could just go ahead and feed the calves later on. And so he, he said, Okay, you can do that. So he went down the same fence line, but he got a little closer. There's a big oak tree there, and he got up against that and sat right down facing that hill. And all of a sudden, he saw a fox come up over the hill and he shot it. Fox dropped. It's a big one. Two more came up over the hill and shot both of them. Ended up with a little bitty one came up and shot that one. Then there was a great big one that came. He shot once, and then he thought, wait a minute. And he looked, and it ran right to him. And here he looked, and it was his neighbor's collie, and those were all his puppies. He thought, what do I do? Do I go home and hide myself? He said, no, I've got I've to own up to what I did. So he followed that blood trail of that dog. And he walked all the way up to where you could see between the milk house and the barn, lay coughing, the prize collie from the neighbor. And guess what? The farmer was outside his barn holding the dog and saying, look what somebody did. Pastor Randy King put his gun down against the building and he said, I'm responsible for that. How could you do that? How could you do that, Randy? He stood up. and He looked at his dog. His dog was taking the last breaths. Randy began to cry. And his neighbor walked over to him and put his arms around him and said, Randy, I've known your family for many, many years. You would never do something like this intentionally. I know that you did it by accident, and I forgive you. He said it was an overwhelming love that I felt. I never felt that love, he said, until he was an engineer from the UW up in Oshkosh that he was studying to be an engineer and someone gave him a track and he trusted Jesus Christ as his personal Savior. What a story. Now, I know that Randy King is one of the greatest preachers that I know, but you know what happened that day? He experienced the love of God and how he's willing to forgive. He's willing to stoop down to to heal a leper, he's willing to to forgive you. He's willing to cleanse you of all your sin. He, He went to Calvary for you. Every step of the way, he had you on his mind. And by the way, the gospel is for you. It's not just for the elite. It's not just for the educated. If we were to look at this whole story and understand the gospel story, we would understand that Jesus Christ came for sinners. It was the person that was down and out. It was the person that felt like they were isolated, like they're not good enough. Jesus came to die for you. He loved you. I think thankfulness displayed also. Look at verses 15 and 16. In one of them, he saw that he was healed. He turned back with a loud voice and glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. I love it. The Bible's in detail on who he was. He was a person that felt unclean all the time. You see, the Samaritans felt like they were different than the Jew, they felt that they were overlooked. I remember being in former Yugoslavia where there are gypsies there. And gypsies always feel like they don't have souls because they were told they don't have souls, they steal. I remember being in a small little room about the size of a, of a restroom with all kinds of, of gypsy people. Somebody is translating for them to be saved. The smell was just excruciatingly bad. But there was people that night that got saved because the gospel was for the gypsy too. The gospel is for you. I think about how there was this personal response to his mercy. In verse number 15, it says there was one of them. There were ten, but there's only one that had this desire to go back and say thank, and be thankful to God. Thank and thank Jesus. Thanksgiving is a personal matter. It's one thing for me to say that we should be thankful, but it's another thing that I should be thankful. Sometimes the parents will say, Son, you need to be thankful. Well, Mom and Dad, we're the ones to show them how to be thankful. Not just tell them, are you thankful? Are you thankful to God for what He's given you? As we're entering into November and toward Thanksgiving, we need to be thankful, people. There's just something about somebody who is thankful. It's like, it's like you've you got someone that's mature. You've got someone that's joyful. I really believe that God wants us to be thankful. I think of the lady in... in uh, Luke chapter 7, 36 through 50, that woman comes to the feet of Jesus. Do you think she was thankful? You bet she was. Jesus said, your sins which are many are forgiven you. Thy faith has saved thee. Go in peace. She got the forgiveness of God. She certainly was thankful. I think it's important for us to understand that the Lord wants us to be full of thanksgiving. There is a proper response to being faithful. I think Psalm 29, verse number 2 says, Give unto the Lord the glory due unto his name. Thankfulness is something that is due to him. He's, he deserves to be thanked. This is one leper was probably uh, in his praise. The Bible said with a loud voice he glorified God. There's something about the Baptists that say amen. I love it when people say amen. I was at the funeral, and it was just like I heard a pin drop on Friday. This one guy kept saying amen all the time. And it was like he was just confirming that I was saying something right. It just was like I was connecting to them when I understood. You know, sometimes when I have my head down and I'm reading everything, I don't want to look up and see the people because sometimes you're like this. And I don't know if you're thinking about extra cheese on that double cheeseburger down at... Or if you're thinking about, does that make sense? Or how are we connecting this to to that statement? I think a lot of times you're thinking, am I thankful? And I hope that that's what I'm helping you do. Are you thankful for God's sovereignty in your life? Are you thankful that he's protected you through the coronavirus and through all of these things that are going on? God's protected you the whole time. God's provided you for a job. He's provided you a home. We have so much to be thankful for. I think about how the Bible says in Psalm 75, verse number 1, it says, Unto thee, O God, do we give thanks, and unto thee do we give thanks. Four times in Psalm 136, the Bible says, O give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. But then there was the thankfulness deprived. Look at verse 17 and 18. 17 and 18 says, And Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? You know what this tells me? This tells me that God is expecting us to be thankful. His expectation of you is that you would thank him. The Lord Jesus says, where are the nine? Why is there only one? It's interesting if you look at that verse, it says in verse number 17, but look at verse 18. There are not found to return to give glory to God, save this stranger. It's a powerful statement to think that there was ingratitude. And this disturbed the Lord Jesus. The fact that Jesus asked where the other nine were indicates that it bothered him, that they had not returned to give him thanks. I think it was said of Charles de Gaulle and Winston Churchill in reference to the military aid that the Allies provided to France to defeat Germany we shall stun you with our ingratitude. I think it must stun the Lord when we're not thankful. We are, by and by, a large, ungrateful generation. And you drive through the place and get something to eat a lot of times, and and then you very seldom have somebody grab their food and say, thank you. You thank the person that's actually helping you out at the gas station. Thank you. Thank you to the person that's coming and and, and the waitresses. I I love the the Bible before breakfast with the men. Uh, These waitresses probably fight over us because we always give a good tip. And if they're crabbier they are, the more money they get. Because I know they're having a hard time. I have an extra five or an extra ten. I can give them. It's important for us to be thankful and show the thanks. Paul spoke of the last days in 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3, and he gave a list of things that would characterize the, the last days. And it says that they'll be unthankful people. Never understood why our country is so hated by other countries, especially when you think of how many of them owe their very existence to our country. This whole woke thing that's going on, I don't understand it. I can't comprehend it. The ingratitude of somebody who would actually take the American flag and burn it. I'd like to give that person another, anyway... It's interesting when we think about these things because we often wonder why we're not more thankful in this country. Every news reporter ought to be thankful that we still have freedom in America. The media seems to be going in the wrong direction. But how delightful to Jesus is our gratitude. Look at verse number 19. And he said unto him, arise and go thy way, thy faith has made thee whole. When we read verse number 19, what Jesus said to one of the men that were healed, the delight this one brought to the Lord is evident. When Jesus said to him, my faith has made thee whole. This last man seemed to get more than just physical healing. It seems like the Lord is giving him eternal life. Every single person in this room ought to be thankful that you were born in this country if you were. And if you've come to this country now and you live here, you ought to be thankful that God has allowed you to live here. I can't believe what's going on at the border. It just seems like complete chaos is going on with this administration. And every time that this president points his finger at you and points to you, he's being told to do that. I think he's probably a kind man and a compassionate man. But I don't think he understands because everybody keeps telling him what to do. He's not a true leader. He runs by just money. If there were no money, he wouldn't be in a position where he's at. Neither would Nancy Pelosi. She wouldn't have any ice cream. Honestly, they're not leaders. They're leeches. What do we do with a country like this? We've got to pray. but We've got to show this generation that God has been good to us. We've got to keep Thanksgiving going. We've got to be thankful. Be thankful. Thankful this month. Constantly look to the Lord. Be this one. Can you imagine 10 of them were cleansed and only one came back to say thank you? (laughs) Pretty powerful. I believe God is sending a message here. I don't believe that out of 10 people that have been redeemed, very few come back and say thank you, Lord. I'm going to give my life to you. Have you been saved? Have you been touched by the master's hand? Then tell him thank you, Lord. Thank you for forgiving me. I come from generations of alcoholics, and I'm so thankful for the redemption that Jesus gave both my grandpas just in the nick of time so that they could have children that love the Lord and they could have grandchildren that want to go on and honor God. Oh, we've got to keep it going, dear friend. If you feel like a leper, cry out to him. He'll come. He'll cleanse you. And maybe that's your problem why don't you get up tomorrow morning and brush your teeth and comb your hair and then practice it. Thank you, Lord. Look in the mirror and say, thank you, Lord. You know what it'll do? Your whole spirit will change. Every time a Christian says thank you, Satan gets out of there because he hates it. We thank our God because he's an awesome God and he wants to provide for you. Continue to thank him. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I've been a very unthankful person. I haven't been thinking about things. Some of you young people, you listen to me. Your parents have bent over backwards for you. And sometimes you're disrespectful to them. You ought to thank your parents. And you parents that have godly kids, you ought to thank the Lord for that. And you ought to thank your children. Maybe they've taken the garbage out. Maybe they've made their bed and cleaned their room on their own and thank them for that. Maybe you have fellow Christians that are helping you all the time. You ought to be thankful. Every head bowed and every eye closed this morning. Maybe there's somebody here that says, Pastor, I know I'm saved, but I'm not very thankful. That's the problem. Would you please pray for me? I don't have a thankful heart. Would you pray for me? Is there anyone like that would say, pray for me, Pastor? Would you be honest enough? Thank you. Thank you for, your, for being so honest. Anyone else with these, say, pray for me, Pastor. I've not been thankful. Before I pray, maybe you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've never received Jesus as my Savior. I don't even know what it means to be saved. But I want to be saved. I, I know who Jesus is. I've heard about him, but I've never received him. The Bible makes it really clear. To all them that have received him, to them gave you power to become the sons of God. So there must be the receiving of Jesus. Have you received him into your life? Have you made room for him? Maybe there's someone here today that would say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Because I've never done that. Would you just lift up your hand and put it back down again? Say, I need Jesus in my life. Then this message was for the Christian. Dear friend, let's be thankful. Every head bowed and every eye closed, we just stand to your feet. If no one's looking around this morning, why don't we have an invitation? And If you need to come, the altar is open for you to come. Father, I ask that your Holy Spirit would guide in the invitation, in Jesus' name, amen.